Hey, what up, Long Beach? We are completely off book this week for our episode of What Up Long Beach, part of our partnership with the Long Beach Post, bringing you everything Long Beach sports and otherwise. As always, we are the 562.org. I'm JJ. He's Mike. He's Tyler. And like I said, we're off book, dude. We are so busy right now. We went from famine to feast. We've got so much Long Beach sports to cover. We are hip, deep, in previews, basically trying to like slam nine and a half months of previews for all of these sports into about three and a half weeks. So we're doing a lot of writing that includes words like key returners and exciting newcomers. You got to check it out at the website right now. But this week, we're just going to kind of dip in a little bit on everything. I think the top story that we should hit is the fact that Long Beach Poly football can't find anybody to play. That's crazy. Yeah, man, there's a lot of frustration over at 1600 Atlantic right now. I think every football program in Southern California, they kind of felt like they were pushing uh, Sisyphus's rock up the, uh, up the hill uh, to get the season started on short notice under the assumption that everyone was doing everything they could to get the kids games. And uh, then Polly has Jordan unable to play uh, because they said they didn't have enough players healthy after having played Wilson the last two weeks. Um, so the Jackrabbits on Tuesday, I think, start looking for a game. St. Bernard's was available. Inglewood was available. Muir was available. Calabasas was available. Cabrillo Lompoc was available. Lompoc was available. A couple central section teams were available. Uh, I think Ventura was available. And uh, then, uh, I mean, and so most of these teams tweeted something like, we'll play anyone, anywhere, let us know. <laughs> What's the most disappointing one? I mean, obviously, we would love to see Polly play anybody, but like the first one that comes to my mind is like that that St. Bernard game would have been pretty lit. I think that would have been a level of hype similar to uh, the Polly Sarah game. Um, St. Bernard's has one of the best young quarterbacks in the country, Darius Curry, who is a West Side Long Beach kid. Is that a St. Um, Anthony who's... thing? Is it St. Bernard or St. Bernard's with an S? <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you, bro. That's more your religious background than mine. Oh, by, by the way, by, by the way Mike, is, Mike is coming to us live from his bed like Grandpa Joe in Charlie and the Chocolate yeah. Factory. We, Mike uh, got their second dose yesterday, so they are they are deep in it right now. That's part, part of the reason why we're going off the book today. <laughs> that's, um, that's kind of accurate because if there were to be a game, if like Polly St. Bernard got an announced I would have to jump out of bed like we'd gotten the golden ticket <laughs> but yeah Tyler Tyler how are you Tyler's not having the symptoms as much as me I, I'm kind of laid low a little bit this afternoon yeah I mean I, I got the the double double dose of Moderna pulsing through my veins and I feel good I, I I'm, I'm waiting for the wall and I haven't hit it yet knock on wood but uh, I, I felt slightly you know, just, tired last night we, we got it we were in a line for two or three hours uh, to get it got it at the Terrace Theater yesterday and then, um, and then I felt like a little tired last night, but like within the realm of how tired I normally feel just because of our jobs, I woke up today and I felt a little bit more tired, uh, went out, did some work, uh, was out of the house for three or four hours. And then by the time I came home was like super achy, super exhausted, uh, took the temperature, definitely a fever going. Um, and so I'm just recording and doing everything in bed for a few hours, hoping, uh, if I'm feeling better, I'll, I'll go out to that Wilson Milliken football game with you guys tonight. It's just a weird situation to be in. Cause normally we try and stay home when we're sick because we don't want to get anyone sick, Obviously, but, but you're in a weird, which like was a thing last year, <laughs> right before everything shut down. But, um, usually when you're not feeling well, you have a disease and you're contagious. Like my body is just experiencing an immune reaction. So it's a weird situation where like. I don't have anything. I'm not contagious with anything. I just, my body has a fever and uh, is achy. You everybody's I mean? <laughs> everybody's contagious all the time, Mike. It's, it's what we've learned. Are you guys needle watchers? When they put that needle in, do you watch it or do you look away? Hell no. Oh, I watch it every time, man. I, I, had, a, I had a very friendly nurse and I, I looked her right in the eyes when she was giving me the shot. I was just like, I, but she had to do it three times. She like, wait, what? I was standing stand. behind Tyler <laughs> watching this nurse. Because Time the, out. Because hold on, listen, the first shot is intramuscular. It was kind of a bigger needle, right? Yeah. The second shot is the pop and push. Right. The real quick. So they just hit you with it and then they fold it in. Um, I'm standing there behind Tyler. And I was like, I thought it was a, an optical illusion because it looked like she was tapping him on the shoulder really aggressively, but with a syringe. I saw her what? hit him like three or four times. <laughs> yeah. Is this rare? Yeah. Was she like, I'm so sorry. This doesn't happen. 
No, I mean, and she just said, you have really thick skin. And I just broke <laughs> down and started crying and told her, actually, I'm a real softy. It's all a front. That's but, incredible. Uh, I don't know. It was, it, I didn't care. Like, it didn't hurt. Like, the needles don't hurt. So, I mean, even the bigger ones don't really, I don't know. They're just a little, I, I don't, just a yeah. little jab. I don't worry. Like I'm, it's just not been a fear of mine. So I, I never look at the people or the needle. I just sort of look forward and take a deep breath or whatever. Um, Can we do yeah. a PSA as well? Like keep wearing your mask people. I know if you mm-hmm. have the vaccination, if you feel like super, superhuman or whatever, but just like, not at the moment, but yeah, fair <laughs> enough. But just, ma- just mask up, man. I, I think it's the height of stupidity to be frustrated with wearing a mask. It, I, to me, it's cares least amount of that that you could put in the least amount of effort that you could put in to try to keep everybody safe and and make sure that everybody's doing what they should be doing am i am i well and also and and also don't don't just don't be like a pick me person you know don't be don't be the one that's like well i've been vaccinated so i should be exempt from wearing a mask because it's like the people that work at these businesses these restaurants or stores they're, they're just being told that everybody has to wear a mask and that's a reasonable blanket policy for the next few months so just don't make people's lives any more difficult that work retail. They have had a tough, tough year. They have to wear a mask for their entire shift. So you can wear for the 15 minutes you're in Target or whatever. I know 15 I, minutes is a little low for Target. Right. I was, I was unaware that the mask thing was a big deal to people, to be honest with you, because when everyone's been talking about reopen the economy, reopen the economy, I've been like, yeah, we need to get as much stuff as open as possible so that people have the services they need and people don't lose their jobs. Um, and I just thought we were talking about things being open or closed. Look at look at what we've been covering with like these kids in Long Beach have been sitting around for a year and then sports are coming back. There's such a huge difference between no sports and sports or movie theaters and no movie theaters or Disneyland, and no Disneyland. There's no real difference to me between mask and no mask. Like who gives a crap? You know Mike, what I mean? Like, Mike is revealing that he spends most of his time on Twitter and not Instagram because Instagram is full of Karen's. like defending themselves not wearing masks and other people filming them being like you look really stupid (laughs) i deleted the facebook app off my phone uh about two months into the pandemic and it's been one of the greatest decisions i've like yeah (laughs) i still log on when when we have to social stuff but i I have to say it, it did change my outlook uh on life a little bit because yeah i continue to wear the mask i'll continue to wear the mask until uh until we're we're done with this thing i just don't care and i i frankly if you think that you're like a big tough dude or whatever, and you're standing up to wearing a mask, I just kind of think you're a pussy. Like, to be completely honest with you, who like, it's just not a big deal. Like who cares? Well, and, and other cultures, it's, it's very commonplace, specifically Asian culture is what I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of. It's like wearing a mask is incredibly common, like while traveling or just being in crowded areas. And I think, I mean, I've certainly seen a lot of people that are like, I can't wait to burn my mask like a LeBron Jersey once all this is over. But like, Many people are like, actually, I like the fact that I didn't get the flu this year and like haven't been regular sick since the pandemic started. And a lot of people are realizing like there's really some like dirty germy people out in the world. And it's like maybe a decent idea that when you're sick or when a lot of people are sick, wear a mask, make yourself more likely to be healthy. I'm definitely keeping mine. Like I know that if I'm feeling unwell a little bit and I'm around people out covering stuff or still needing to work. I'm going to try to protect other people and I hope that they'll do the same for me because I know we live in a capitalist America where you can't, you can't be sick and have to work all the time, but like, that's a simple thing you can do to try to, you know, help everyone be healthier. Like that it's, it's just not that hard. Right. I mean, am I it is crazy? Not. it's not, it's not that hard. We're all on the same page here. So let's, uh, let's move on. As always, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Naples Rib Company, the sponsors of everything we do at the 562.org. They've made it through a tough year the same way we've made it through a tough year, the same way we've all made it through a tough year, and they need your support just as much as the 562 or the Long Beach Post or anyone else. So as you're starting to think about where am I going to have my first indoor dinner, where am I going to go to celebrate getting my second vaccine, whatever it is, definitely think of Naples Rib Company. Think of the way they've supported us as well as the local schools over the years. Get down to Naples Rib Co. and tell them the 562 sent you. What else have you guys been working on? I mean, obviously, like I said, hip deep in previews, uh, basketball preview, baseball preview, softball preview for the local teams are going to be out within the next couple of days that you can check on the website. I had a lot of fun doing the baseball preview. 
because I missed baseball a lot. And with Major League Baseball coming back at the same time as doing the previews, I'm sitting there watching the Dodgers play while I'm writing about the Wilson Bruins and the Lakewood Lancers rivalries. Like, that's pretty cool, man. That usually doesn't happen for us. Dude, how good are the Dodgers? The Dodgers are very good, Mike. <laughs> so, it's, so, it's so much fun being a Dodgers fan. <laughs> and they're yeah, going to be good, along, too. You came along yeah. at the right time, my dude. And I, I don't like baseball lot. enough to root for a team that's not great. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I I'm, I'm just lot. being totally honest with you about that. If Vincent had wanted to get into baseball at, at a time when the Dodgers had – it was they're the Angels – You've got a great player, but the team's not very good. I just would have been like, I don't have the attention span for this. Well, it's still <laughs> surreal to me. It's still like, I mean, obviously when they won the championship, it was surreal in a way that I have never experienced. But it is still like last year, there were times where I caught myself like, I root for the best team in baseball. That just, that's not, and that's not a thing I've ever even <laughs> thought of saying my entire life. Like that's that's the crazy part, and to be honest with you, the depth of this team is is the most important impressive thing. Like well, how deep our Mookie, pitching staff is. Like they sit Mookie to give him a rest day, and they're putting in like the rookie who's hitting six hundred or something. <laughs> it's like Gavin okay. bleeping Lux, bro, out of nowhere, just like oh yeah, by the way, we also got a guy there, <laughs> the Lux bus. Well, I mean, let's not forget that Gavin Lux was like one of the top prospects in baseball. Like yeah, he's he, not just some guy that moved up through the system. Like he's been a dude. He just hasn't been able to get like right. bats because he's trying to crack an all-star lineup. <laughs> I just, it's, it's so fun because it's that blend of approaches where like, you know, Tyler said it like, um, and you know, uh, my son Vincent, he really likes the younger players. Cause I, I tell him like, Hey, he'll probably be on the team for a while. So I remember when Gavin Lux got called up and I remember we, we took Vincent to Dustin May's debut. And so here are dudes who are like, they're in the system, they're coming up, they've been in Dodger blue their whole minor league career. And then you get to see him hit the major leagues and like their scouting and development and drafting, like the program is as good as anyone's or better than anyone's. And then they're going out and signing Mookie Betts and Trevor. Yeah. Bauer. <laughs> it always, it always has been. Dodgers have always had one of the top farm systems. Uh, you could just look at other opening day starters around the league. Like I think the Dodgers had five former pitchers pitch on opening right. day including clayton kershaw like that's right. pretty crazy man that's uh, pretty crazy but uh, yeah when we were working on the baseball previews i noticed a lot of themes right one of those themes was these teams that are classic uh very hard to get on like a wilson and lakewood um millican and Polly as well but uh very hard to make the team right it's a big deal to make those teams and then you work your way through a winter ball schedule where you kind of get to figure out how to put those puzzle pieces together well without that without the tryouts, without the regular stuff that goes on in the winter ball season, these teams are still trying to figure it out. Like you got Andy Hall and Spud O'Neill at Wilson and Lakewood, respectively, coaches who have been around for like literal decades at both places. And they're like, yeah, man, I don't know. We're going to have to get out there, try to figure it out on the run. That's crazy. That's crazy that even with the, the, the time that they had not playing, that they're still trying to figure it out when they will play. And I think those early season games in the Moore League are ultimately going to decide the league title because whoever can put it together faster is going to have a huge advantage. Well, and it, and it looks like right now it's Polly might be in the driver's seat as, you know, they've been like terrific in non-league play. They just uh, had a, a big tournament win. I believe they're nine and one. If, if I'm not mistaken, just off the top of my head. And but... one and just won that St. Paul tournament. And then Milliken, I believe, is undefeated with a win over Bosco. So definitely very strong non-league performances so far. Absolutely. And, the, you know, the, both those teams, that's I'm, that's the game I'm looking forward to most is the Polly Milliken games. Um, and I think, you know, there's there's definitely plenty of young talent for Milliken. Polly's very veteran team and looking for their first ever back-to-back more league championships. That's going to be back-to-back, right? Yes. Yeah, we got to call it back to back. Yeah. All right. If you won, if there's two of your name in a row on the more league championship list, it's back to back no matter what. Um, Yeah. Yeah, It's hard to make history yet. Did you guys get a lot of uh, uh, kids that are playing multiple sports? And since baseball started later, it's been harder for them to get into baseball rhythm. Like, I don't like, obviously I was a very average athlete, but like I played baseball and football in high school and it always took me like a week and a half of football practice to stop throwing the football like a baseball. I had to, there's two kids on the St. Anthony baseball team who are starters who play football. Um, it wasn't really the case at Milliken. I don't think they're splitting time with anyone there. I know from Tyler's teams, Kenny Barnaby at Polly is a pretty rare boys soccer baseball crossover. Kenny Barnaby um, is a freaking baller, dude. 
Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. feel like we, I, I'm trying to think like we don't see that very often. No, like, we don't. That's why it was so weird. Soccer. Bro, I'm trying to write a Lakewood baseball preview about Anthony Ionson. It's like, yeah, he's pitched two innings for us so far. And then he also had to lay on his back for 40 minutes after playing Long Beach Poly football. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, and Lakewood is a weird school where you do see that sometimes. Like I remember Shane Watson played football um, before it became obvious that it was like, I mean, I think he literally like broke his leg playing football. Yes, and he it did. Was like, Hey man, maybe you should focus on the sport. You're a top 50 draft pick. <laughs> and sometimes you have guys like Ty Tiedemann who was just a quarterback and then was like, you know what? Let me dip back into baseball my last year. And now he's in the Rangers organization and uh, is uh, moving up through their system. So obviously it's, it's rare. The Tiedemann family, very talented on the diamond, obviously, but, but, but uh, baseball's but kind of the best the multi-sport athletes. Is that the best sport to do that? Baseball? It makes it the most obvious because it is the longest, so there's more options. You know what I mean? A more opportunity. I mean, I think I track I and say. field, track and field ports pretty well into just about any other sport. Yeah. The schedule is pretty much exclusively weekends, with the exception of league meets. The training is intense, but it's not. It's not like football where if you can't get all thirty people on your team together at the same time, you can't practice. We we've always um, said that if you're a football player, you should be running track. But I just think I mean you know like uh, Polly's got probably the fastest more league boys basketball player I've seen since KJ Fagan, Anthony Robinson at Polly. He runs he runs the one hundred and the two hundred. You know, I mean, he's just like something he'll I, never have to do consecutively in a basketball game. Right. Right. But he, but it's just like he made the point and his, uh, you know, his grandpa is a, a legendary um, Jordan and Long Beach State uh, athlete. But like his grandpa just started telling me as a kid, he's like, I don't care what sport you play. Like there's no sport where being fast isn't a skill. <laughs> like, well, yeah. Unless you're going to Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, classically track and field, a team sport. So it's nice to see them uh, working together in, in different ways. <laughs> As one coach told me today, a little bit of normalcy. You know what I mean? It's good to, <laughs> it's good to get the kids some we normalcy. Always, we always reference that, the track and field is a team sport thing. And I don't think we've ever actually told that story. Can I be honest that's with you that I don't remember which side of the argument I'm on. But that's I, why I, it's I, a good I, argument. Let's figure it out. So we went up to sign. Fresno for a CIF state track and field meet. How many years ago was this? Like five years ago, we're in Fresno for state track and field. And uh, we start talking about whether or not it's a team sport. Is track and field a team sport? Because I, I believe it was either the year before that or the year after that, that Polly won the state title with three girls competing, right? Yeah, yeah. Yes. So the so the discussion was: Is it a team sport or an individual sport? Team sport, right? And I, yeah, because you keep score yeah. as a team, right? right. Yeah, that they want a team. You win a team. You win a team championship. Team sport. They don't hand out individual championships at the CIF track meet. Correct. They do. do. They? Yeah, they do. They, they do. give you. They they do. They do finishers. Well, yeah, finishers in the race. I'm stuff. saying like the overall. Nobody's like, and this person was the best of the meet. Right. Yeah. They do at, at, uh, at non CIF meets. Like if you go to Arcadia, they'll do a male and female athlete of the meet, which is a huge, huge individual honor. Um, and they've done that at pen relays and stuff as well. I'm talking CIF specifically. No. And I do think in that, you just have to recognize that like in the Olympics, it's not, I mean, it's not the only sport like this in the Olympics. It's not a team sport in high school. It's a team sport. You know what I mean? um yeah just like golf championship just like golf just like tennis these are individuals competing that can be played uh, that can be played uh, as a team yeah exactly where the the scores are affecting each other and and they and i think most importantly why i'm definitely uh on team team it changes the strategy of how people compete and what events they're deployed into and stuff like that like particularly for your bigger programs the poly girls track and field team makes a ton of strategic decisions before the CIF prelims and before league finals about, okay, where are people going to score? Where do you can only do four events. So you have to just like swimming, you have to strategize about how you're deploying your team. Are you trying to get a ton of points out of sprints? Are you trying to get some out of middle distance? Um, You know, how much can you bank on from your relays and and all that? Well, listen, I mean, if you leave it up to the CIF, they referred to track and field as an individual sport. I would just, the correct counterpoint is that it's an individual sport with team scoring. And obviously the teams have to work, you know, usually do work together to win a state championship. However, one individual could win a state championship for their school. Which actually the year that Polly had three girls win the state championship, they beat Tara Davis, Tara Davis, excuse me, 
They beat Tara Davis by one point who won the long jump, the triple jump and the 100 hurdles uh, and who just set a new uh, collegiate record in the long jump. Um, so she was almost the team state champion in high school. So Tyler, but I, I forget get- where you, I forget where you come down on this is cross country. Then you see cross country as a team sport or an individual sport. We got to um, look at how they score it. Right. Cause so then each one is different because some leagues score it differently. Sure. Well, cer- I mean, it certainly has team scoring, but I, I think, I think ind- it's based on individual performance and individual seating that then, you know, there's no, I mean, there, there are teamwork components, but there's not like, there's enormous team strategies. It's a meet. Absolutely. But yeah. I'm saying it's like a team versus team. You know what I'm saying? You like line up and it's a direct competition. Meet sports, I think are pretty much inherently individualized because you're there as a representative of your school but you're not like, there's no direct, you're not stopping, you know, trying to interfere with someone else's performance in order to outscore them or, or perform above them. As always, we want to thank all of our sponsors, including Ocean Law Center. Visit OceanLawCenter.com for a list of services they provide. Thank you to Ocean Law Center for their continued support of local sports coverage. What else do you guys That's want to talk about? Um, I want to, you, you mentioned what stories are we working on. Um, I just want to shout out that in the next like two weeks, First of all, I appreciate all the coaches and parents who are going to be understanding about this. We're trying to prep for covering every sport you know, for the next two months, uh, nine months worth of sports for the next two months. So in the next like week, we're going to have up our baseball, softball previews, our boys and girls basketball previews, our boys and girls track, boys and girls swimming, boys volleyball, bat, you know, boys and girls badminton, boys and girls wrestling, uh, boys and girls lacrosse. Um, you just like go completely wrestling you go all the way down the list, like we're going to have pre- a year's worth of previews going up basically in a two week span. And so I've been looking at the stuff that isn't that uh, because I just need my brain to take a little bit of a break. Um, so one story that I think is cool that I'm working on for the post right now is it's actually a Long Beach product who's won Jeopardy the last three nights with uh, Aaron Rodgers hosting. Um, and pardon me because I'm forgetting his, uh, his name. But um, Long Beach Poly alum uh, drew, came to my attention because Drew Bugs, the basketball player, quote tweeted this dude's win and said, well, he always had all of the uh, <laughs> he, he always had all the answers in class, you know, so this makes sense. But I just thought that was so funny, though, like even as we're doing all this other sports coverage, you have a Long Beach product who's been dominating, I think, seventy thousand dollars in the last three nights on Jeopardy. So what's the name? Brandon, uh, and- Brandon Deutsch, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> that that ain't easy to do. But it's also cool because he went to Berkeley and uh, as did Aaron Rodgers. So that's kind of cool that it's like a legendary cow quarterback as the as the guest host. Um, but yeah, just another like kind of cool story. But I mean, you said it, Mike, with all the, the previews and the sports that we have, because the schedule is so different this year and condensed together. First of all, let us say that we are thrilled for all the athletes that are going to be able to compete. This We're is not complaining. For, no, no, no. That, and so that's why we want to like start by saying like we're very excited that sports is able to happen. We know a lot of teams for a litany of reasons that we've gone over on this podcast as far as clearances and, um, you know, just the difficulty with distance learning and uh, time to prepare. Obviously, COVID concerns for, 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 you know, students, their families and all that kind of stuff. Um, economic hardship that's taken people away from sports. But we got to celebrate the opportunity that is being presented to a, a large number of athletes in the city that really thought, I mean, guy, like when you, when we talked to these athletes, they were like, man, I, I thought we weren't going to have a season. You know, it kind of started with, with cross country and water polo. And they were like, I'm just stoked to be out here. Like they could have lost by 15 goals. And they were just like, Hey man, like, I'm just excited that, that we got to play. And there was just that good energy. And I'm just excited that more athletes are going to get the opportunity to feel that um, in, in various different sports. We're going to do our best to cover as much as we can. But, like, but bear with it's gonna us. It's going to be different. You, you, there might be events that you're used to seeing us at every year for 10 years where you're seeing a freelancer or maybe a coach is just having to call us after because of that. But you're, you're so right. It's so great for the kids that get to be back. Um, and I think everyone understands that. I've heard the phrase, it's bigger than wins and losses, like so much more over the last uh, month than we normally do. Um, and the one thing I do want to mention is which, that hold also- on, Hold on, time out. Yeah. Which is true before this. Correct. And now we're bigger just than very wins aware of it. We didn't need a global pandemic to show us that high school sports really isn't about the championships. It's more about the experience of being a high school sports athlete and everything that comes with that. I totally agree, Mike. 
Yeah, 100%. And speaking of, though, the importance still of the wins and losses and the competitiveness, um, we are awaiting on Monday at 2 p.m. The CIF Southern section will be announcing whether or not they'll be holding playoffs for the spring sports. Um, And in the spring sports for this year, remember, that's basically everything. Um, We're not talking about football. We're not talking about cross country. We're not talking about water polo. You're basically talking about all the other sports. Um, They'll be announcing whether or not they'll be able to. The expectation is that's going to be a good news press conference because the California Department of Public Health just yesterday changed their guidelines, allowing teams to travel um, outside of their county or the neighboring county in order to play games, um, which significantly clears the path for playoffs to happen. But I know as we've talked to, there's a ton of teams that are just happy to be back out there. But there's also teams like the Wilson girls basketball team who's coming off their first CIF championship in 20 years. There's teams like the Poly boys basketball team is going to be one of the top teams in the state where part of the reason that they're excited to come back. And frankly, a lot of these baseball teams as well, um, you know, that have a chance to really compete depending on the division that they're in. So we're hopeful that kids get that. I think the spring sports last year were the ones who really took it on the chin because their seasons got shut down in the middle of things. Um, so I'm really hopeful for them. It's a bummer for the fall sport athletes that don't get playoffs this year, but they did at least get to have them last year and play a full season and they got some kind of a season this year. So I'm hopeful for the spring athletes that, um, they get this opportunity to compete in playoffs and, and to kind of that to me is the real normalcy. People say it's a little taste of normalcy. There's nothing with all due respect. There's nothing normal about covering um, Lakewood Compton football, Wilson Milliken football in April. <laughs> you know, it's a very little piece of normalcy when we talk about that, but actually getting a full spring schedule with non-league games, regular season games and a playoffs to me would be a really positive and encouraging sign that, you know, we're, we're starting to get back to it here. And, and with all that being said, with all those games and opportunities and playoffs and all the good news that we're seeing, take a moment to thank your athletic director <laughs> and <laughs> make sure Preach. that they know that they're appreciated for all the work that they have done, <laughs> are currently doing, and will continue to do over the next couple months. I mean, the coaches as well. And, you know, uh, Obviously, there's a ton of people that are contributing to make this happen, but athletic directors completely overwhelmed and underpaid, and they are just really hardworking, dedicated people. So shout out to all the ADs, shout out to Lisa Ulmer for, you know, being there in the Moore League and getting these schedules on track and making adjustments to maximize the opportunity for these kids. Uh, Their hard work doesn't go unnoticed by us. And so if you have an opportunity to, you know, socially distance. (laughs) Thank everybody, man. Thank the ABs, thank the coaches, thank the officials who've upended their own personal lives and schedules. I mean, I have talked to officials who've said, yeah, like I'm asking, you know, I'm asking my wife to watch our kids for different days, but like my assigner told me, Hey, if you can't do this game, it won't happen. Like everyone I think is really sort of pulling together to make it happen. And it's a been a beautiful thing to see, even for all of the frustrations and hiccups that might've occurred along the way. Do we also agree that like people should be thanking each other no matter what, like as we move forward as a, as a world, not just like as a sports community, but like as human beings, as we move forward, I really hope that some of the lessons that we're talking about right now continue to hold true. You know, the things that we do take for granted aren't taken for granted anymore. And I know that that's, you know, half full, all the other cliches or whatever. And I have said on this show before that I'm working on this column for the summer a series of stories about like, why do we force football players to show up at a certain time every single week when like their mom works a job who then she can't drive them. So he can't start because he was late to that one practice because his mom's car broke down. Like, why are we not more understanding across the board? And I feel like we do talk on this show a lot about like, thank this person and thank that person. I just hope that it's not a thing that goes away. And next football season, we're dealing with like, you know, People just not acting right. I feel like a lot of people have been acting right recently and understanding the gravity of what actually went on over the last 12 months and taking what they get and appreciating that. And I just really hope that in the future, I'm not saying like, oh, everybody should play. It's AYSO. Like, who cares what the final score is? But there is a level of let's go out there and be a community and enjoy that time. Let the kids celebrate a little bit more, right? Let a touchdown be followed by a dance. And don't worry about that other stuff like that leniency for everyone. I just hope it lasts a little bit longer. And I I don't know if I'm alone on that. What do you guys think? 
I don't know. I think I probably spend more time on social media than you do. So I probably, I, I guess I'm this a little is true. bit more, I guess I'm a little bit more pessimistic about um, everyone's kind of rosy outlook on things. I, I do grant like definitely your point of what you're saying that, you know, people have sort of recalibrated things a little bit, but I, I do think it would be beneficial if we all, you know, just had a little grace with one another, you know, and, and gave people the opportunity to be like, you know, Hey, I, I think this, there would be a better way to do this rather than just saying, this is a horrible decision. You're so stupid. You hate people on a personal level because this is what you decided to do. So I just think it's toning down kind of the rhetoric. <laughs> and, um, but, but also just like you said, Jay, I think knowing what's most important and knowing what could be taken away. And like, people are telling me, you know, when I'm, doing interviews with people and there's like, you know, stuff that they took for granted that they'll never take for granted again. And so I, I think that can kind of shape the way we communicate with one another, how we um, criticize things that we disagree with, you know, and just realize <laughs> there's, there's always a worse out there that we weren't necessarily considering and um, you know, just trying to be better and, and be more patient and understanding with, with our fellow humans. Yeah. I think what I would say is, um, and I spent a lot of time on social media too, and there's so much negativity. And, and I've talked on this show about the detrimental effect that covering the education side of things has had on me sort of psychologically, because there's so much negativity in both directions. There've been people saying, you're literally trying to kill people by trying to open the schools. And there's people saying, you're literally, you know, going to kill people by closing the schools. <laughs> and, um, and, and so a thing that's been important for me to remember, and as we saw the elementary schools go back to school last week, and as the middle schools and high schools prepare to go back to school this month, it's important for me to remember that the loudest people are not in the majority. Um, and that even if, it, if it's listening to a couple hours of negativity in public comment at school board meetings, or if it's reading a couple of comments on Twitter, um, there's 70,000 kids in the Long Beach Unified School District, and perhaps 400 of their parents called a school board meeting. And what we saw when the schools opened for elementary school, and that's only half the elementary school kids who went back to campus, was this outpouring of positivity and love and appreciation. Um, and so I am optimistic that, you know, I don't know that it's going to change the way we do things forever. I, I hope it will. I remember having the same thought, JJ, we were seniors in high school when 9-11 happened. And I remember having the same thought, like, boy, wouldn't it be great if we could all live with the appreciation and respect for each other that, you know, at least the people in Long Beach, the people that I knew had right after that, um, that occurred. And, you know, instead, within a, a month or two, there were, you know, military recruiters in our classrooms, you know, trying to get people to sign up to go to Iraq, where, as it turns out, you know, the, there was no need to have been as a result of 9-11. But um, who knows? I do think that there will be some permanent changes I do think as Rob Wygod and as we've talked about on this show, we have already seen a different level of appreciation for everything. Um, I think what's been cool to me is you just sort of get the sense that people do understand the priorities. I've seen just as many chippy football games and chippy soccer games as I normally see. But instead of a handshake where everyone's kind of cussing at each other under their breath afterwards, <laughs> it seems to be these sort of distance, you know, waving and, and, um, there seems to really quickly fl flip a switch actually into genuine appreciation for like, Hey man, we just played a football game. How cool was that? Um, and so yeah, that the, gives me hope. The ability to be on a sideline and somebody's freaking out and you just go, Hey, calm down. That word that like saying to somebody, calm down carries more weight now. Cause when you do say calm down, you're like, you're right. This probably isn't that big a deal. You know what I mean? We always talk about like the vast majority of high school athletes. This is the last time they'll play on an organized team. So like, hey, calm down. <laughs> well, and, and uh, Mike, what you said kind of resonated with me that the, you know, the negativity kind of drowns it out, um, either whether it's at a school board meeting or it's in the Twitter replies. It's a lot easier for people to, to be negative um, and they're more moved to complain than they are to uplift or support. Um, and so that's a challenge kind of to myself and to, to everyone listening. If you like something, if you're happy and approve of something, don't be shy about complimenting people or saying, Hey, this was great. And, you know, to use us as a lens, you know, not to be self-serving, but if you read one of our stories and you're like, Hey, that was a really good story. We love getting feedback comments, you know, whether it's public 
on social media or whether someone sends us an email, shoots us a text. I mean, that really keeps us going. And, you know, especially when we're going to be so busy covering games, you know, six days a week over the next couple of months, we're going to get tired. We're going to get frustrated. Um, we're going to miss out on things and be annoyed about that. But, you know, getting that email, we're going to guess email, wrong about what game we should go cover. You know, and we're going to guess wrong about how to pronounce uh, someone's last name or first name and, and be apologetic about that. But yeah, wait, waking up to that email from a parent, a coach, uh, an athlete, whatever, and saying like, hey, you know, I really appreciate you coming to the game or it was great. And, and that can extend to anything, you know, that can extend to a, a nice note to your, you know, your, your student's teacher or your principal or something, you know. So I think making an effort to flood the airwaves with positivity will, will hopefully do some good in the community. That kind of starts with the officials of these high school games for us, right? Like if an official comes in with a hard line, no celebration, the game feels different. The flags yeah, thrown it feels after, boring. yeah, it kind of feels boring, right? So I almost, I almost feel like the change in approach uh, for high school sports and, and, and amateur sports in general kind of needs to start with the officials. They kind of need to come together before next football season and go, hey, guess what? If a kid turns around after scoring a touchdown and yells at his opponent, the guy who was just uh, defending him, throw the flag for sure. But if that same kid scores that touchdown, turns around and does a dance with his own teammate, not in front of the defender, why throw a flag there? You have no idea what that kid is celebrating. That seems ridiculous. He might be celebrating something that you really just want to allow him to celebrate. He might be celebrating that he scored something for his dad or his grandma who passed away might absolutely you know what I mean? it, like yes absolutely let the kids let the kids play and then once they're playing let them play <laughs> yeah turning the turning the end zone into the city from footloose would never helped anybody <laughs> well i if you went to every football player in the city and asked them would you like to play football in which celebrations are allowed with your teams or no celebrating is allowed at all you're going to get pretty close to hundred percent that say like, well, obviously we want to celebrate when we do something cool. So the other team should be able to do that too. Like you said, as long as it's not like a direct, direct taunting, that's going to lead to a fight at some point. Yeah. We're not, we're not trying to say we should see kids fight. Actually, we're saying the exact opposite. It's almost like in hockey where they're like, okay, guys, drop the gloves and fight now because we don't want you to go stick to face because you're so frustrated with what's happening that this is the only way you can express yourself. I think we would see less chippy games if kids were allowed to dance in the end zone. Yeah, I think so. I think, and I think they end up getting frustrated at, at the officiating and start to focus on the wrong things because they're like, man, I can't even score a touchdown and, and have a great play, you know, and it slows everything down. It's just, yeah, generally speaking, keep the flags in the pockets when it comes to celebrating, especially in a year like this. Because there are all those unwritten rules, right? Like in baseball, there's so many unwritten rules about what you do and what you can't do and all that stuff that it gets really frustrating as a fan of people, as a fan, as a fan of human beings doing cool stuff. It's one of my favorite things to watch. It's why I'm a sports fan, really. And I want to see that emotion. You know what I mean? I want to see that action. I think it's the height of stupidity that Major League Baseball puts together these packages, these bumpers on the either side of commercial breaks. They're like, Major League Baseball, it's back. Bring the family. And all the clips they show are guys turned up. This guy's throwing a strikeout and pumping their fists. It's people celebrating on the field. They, they do all of these celebration clips, and then you get back to the game, and Nick Castellano skips down the first baseline, and all of a sudden he's getting plonked, and people are coming off the benches. It's like, guys, if you want it to be full of emotion, let it be full of emotion. I think we as adults can handle ourselves after that point when people are being emotional. I don't think just because somebody celebrates makes you think that, oh, that's horrible. I need to now celebrate. I think it's to each their own and we just need to trust each other a little bit. No, I, I, I totally agree with that. I think, and, and just be, yeah, just be grownups about it. You know, <laughs> just like if somebody else that's paid to do a job, does it well and celebrates, you also have the latitude to do that. If you, you know, if you strike him out next time, then you celebrate that and then just trade the passion back and forth. I, I just remember like, endangering someone. I remember hearing a pitcher say like, well, if the, if, you know, guys are going to pimp a home run you know, they should get ready for like pitchers are going to really let them have it when they, they strike them out. And I, I just remember hearing that like, cool, cool. Like, right. Sounds good, dude. Throw your glove <laughs> in the air, dude. Let's go. I look Let's have some I fun just, out here. Like, okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Sounds like you guys are playing sports for a living, you know? Like, <laughs> well, and I also, uh, another recent rule that really annoyed me is actually a written 
guess. And it's the with uh, THT from the Lakers when Taylor Horton Tucker came off the Man. he came on the court like what five steps maybe wasn't even around anyone total totally socially distant didn't instigate or cause any problems and now he's going to get suspended I mean come on can't we add a little discretion as far as what coming off the bench or coming onto the floor means I well, mean it's, it's human nature th- to th- kind of yeah. step in and then if this you has stop been yourself brutal throw punches this has been really brutal at the high school level where we see yes. this all the time that it's like someone's got video people, you know, three kids leave a bench and a, a coach who's there scouting it is coming up after to us after a game going, do you have video of those guys leaving the bench? They should be suspended for the next game. And you're like that. I hate the don't leave the bench rule because it's there to keep people from bench clearing brawls, which we all agree, particularly at the high school level, we want to avoid. It's I've never seen it prevent one ever. You know what I mean? I, I it, 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 like if there's going to be one and we've all covered them, there's going to be one and it doesn't matter about the rules. So the only way it ends up getting enforced is arbitrarily where, yes, it's like you saw someone punch your teammate in the face and you had the human reaction of standing up and taking a step forward. <laughs> yeah. It's or a coach is in front of you oh saying, okay, no, 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 no. <laughs> right. It's the coaches who stop it from being a bench clearing. Well, it's always the coaches. It's not, I've never seen a kid go, well, if I run out there, they're going to boot me for a game like <laughs> and maybe and maybe that's it maybe it's you suspend the coach if the kids run out and then they become more like likely i guess to try to hold them back i don't know i i just i hate when you know especially in basketball when your your toes are inches from the from the court when you're sitting on the bench in these high school gyms many of them and you know a a guy starts punching one of your teammates. You you preach. Everybody breaks the huddle with with family usually, right? At this point, and it's like, I'm sorry if <laughs> I'll tell you what I don't do if someone's attacked. punching. Yeah, someone's punching my family. I'll tell you what I don't do, and that don't sit and read the paper. But if I were reading my... the paper, I'd be reading the Grunion Gazette and checking out the five six two sports and community section. That's what we I'd do. we need to contact the people from those pass it on commercials. Some better than others, and we need to do one for like grace and discretion pass it on right stop doing those dumb i touched the ball didn't touch the ball things actually put somebody in a real world situation and be like hey guys grace and discretion let's let's pass it on Uh, alex uh in the pass it on commercial the scourge of my life (laughs) yeah that one really gets to you doesn't it yes it's the worst can you explain why (laughs) yes because we've all played and covered sports quite a bit right covered much more so than played um officiating is human. There are mistakes. There are mistakes in both directions. I am almost never someone who feels like, oh, the officiating is biased towards one team or another. It's done by human beings who make mistakes. Well, hold on, hold on. We have gone to some very oddly officiated games where Long Beach. No, I, yeah, but you, but you, but we County. can name the six. We can okay, name the okay. six in the 10,000 games that we've covered. Right? Fair enough. Um, and so my only point is, you are not doing, that's not good to volunteer that information to an official. And I'm not saying like, I'm not talking about gamesmanship or flopping or like whatever else. I'm just saying like, if the ref thinks it's your team's ball, it's the other team's job to convince him that he's wrong. It's not your job to say, I touched it last any more than any more than when you successfully take a charge, it's your job to stand up and tell the ref, Hey man, I, uh, I sold that one pretty good. I, it's just you're, like, it's not what sports are. You're almost <laughs> expanding the famous Chase DeYoung quote, uh, shout out Chase, new Papa playing well. Chase DeYoung classically said, quote, it was a strike because the umpire said it was a strike. Right. That's, that's it. it. Man. That's, that's the best take on officiating I've ever heard. Cause that is the case every time. Yeah. It, the yeah. one that's the one time that you, that you trust them is when they blew a call in your favor. <laughs> it's the one time that you're like, Hey, it's your job, man. Hey, you're, Hey, you got the whistle. I'm, you know, Hey, like that's, that's what you're here to do. I'm here to play. You're here to give your opinion. Your opinion seems to be okay. I'm, I'm, I'm stepping back. I'm going back to my huddle. Going back, going back to the huddle to talk to your coach. <laughs> I just want to see that commercial right now. So I could get a good laugh in before we go cover these games. Knowing if, that if it's you, just if you, driving like crazy. If you ever want, if you're ever looking for some easy comedic relief, if you bring that commercial up around uh, our, our good friend, Alex Carmen, who runs Beach City Hoops and he does a lot of freelance work for us, especially because he shares a name with that kid. Right. He will like, he will actually get like, he'll be clenched fists if you bring that. Like he hates that commercial, bro. <laughs> you know, and, and you know what I think of when I see that commercial? You know what I think of? 
Stacy Chukwemeze. That's what Ooh, I think. Ooh, that's a good reference, Downey, Tyler. Downey football against Crescenta Valley, uh, which just back when we were working at the Press Telegram, so we had a wider coverage map. I know a lot of people want us to cover schools outside of Long Beach, but that's why we're the 562. But um, when we cut Downey at Crescenta Valley, that touchdown catch, we have multiple angles of it. You can find it on our YouTube channel. Um, very obvious catch. Obvious. And change that game like Downey very easily could have ended up winning uh, a state championship that year a CIF championship and um <laughs> it's just the worst blown call and it's like no one on Crescenta Valley was like hey man that was obviously a catch um and so they didn't line up to receive the kickoff <laughs> they just run out there with the kick return team <laughs> right it's like no 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 that was fourth down it's your guys on offense all right we got specials we got specials. <laughs> kick, re- kick return. <laughs> yeah, and I'm really glad we only have like a handful of references to stuff like that. You're right, Mike. Like the ones that we've seen were pretty bad. Do you remember when Jalen uh, Whitfield for Cabrillo oh re- had gosh. the ball, yes. had the ball in his hands, ran yes. over a defender, and was called for unsportsmanlike conduct, targeting, or whatever it was called? <laughs> I remember watching that in the bungalow at Cabrillo with Jason Brown. That's right. Uh, now famous slash infamous. I would I would plug his whiskey, but I don't want to get uh, I don't want to get bleeped. Um, so the uh, yeah, it was unbelievable. I think it maybe happened twice in that game where yeah, he was called for unsportsmanlike or no, it was unnecessary roughness. Necessary roughness. That's what it was. Carrier. He had the ball and ran a kid over and was called for unnecessary roughness. Uh, craziest call one of the craziest things i've ever seen it looked like the most necessary roughness i'd ever seen to be honest with you <laughs> <laughs> all well right said. i can think of a couple other ones we covered a water polo just to rattle a few off briefly the poly hey. girls basketball team walked into a, a gym and saw that there was not a black uh, official which there's sort of supposed to be is another unwritten rule for playoffs um, and got jobbed out of a game in Orange County that was absolutely brutal. I think they called nine offensive fouls on them. Um, and these were not questionable calls. If you go back and look at the video, I think the Wilson water polo one will be the all time worst one to me where um, uh, our, our buddy who's an assistant coach there, uh, rest in peace, was kicked out, was red carded for protesting what the refs were very clearly doing, which was just lavishing exclusions on the team that Wilson was playing in the championship game. Um, and, uh, you know, borderline that came almost came to blows. And I remember we were talking about it afterwards, like definitely crossed some lines there, but also all of the Wilson parents were just like, I appreciate you having our kids back because this was so brutal. <laughs> yeah. Water, water polo is the worst dude. Not because it's the worst sport. I'm just total saying control. it's the worst because the, there's the total control by the referees. And unlike soccer, it's happening in a place that you can't see. It's like soccer if if uh, more than half of the scoring happened via penalty kicks. It's wet hockey. Shout out to Solar Opposites. <laughs> also, there's one more I want to throw in because it's so funny to me that I remember at Blair Field, uh, our our old friend Toby Hess, former uh, head oh, coach God. at Long Beach Poly, oh, getting God. tossed because a kid was issued a walk on the second pitch of the pass. <laughs> on what should have been a 1-1 count and the umpire thought it was 3-2 uh, because I guess I think the scoreboard hadn't been reset from the previous at bat and so it was a it was a two-pitch walk and it was um, it was really something and Toby got his money's worth rightfully so but that was really a tough one as we're you know we Toby told us he looked good, at, he looked at his assistant Mark Clavo and said uh, can you coach the game on Thursday because I'm not going to be there for it <laughs> walked out to talk to the he already knew well and the funny thing for us like we we talk to officials you know sometimes they'll come up to us sometimes you know we'll just make you know small talk with them but they appreciate our videos and our coverage because a they know that we're fair and we you know and we don't go out of our way to make them look bad we don't show them if they blow a call you know what i mean we don't show them up in any way yeah that's not why we're the job that's not why we're there exactly but they like that they get a second look if they make a close call they don't get instant replay they don't get to run it back on this tv recording it's us and so they get an opportunity to say like did i get that call right or did i miss it and you know we always try to say hey that you know they make a mistake Uh, you know we we don't accuse anyone of of malpractice it's just you know they're human and so you know, we're, we're kind of the eye in the sky, but we always try to be fair to officials. And, you know, they've, they've said that they appreciate the coverage and the way that we present the, the job that they do. 
You know, I like these off the book podcasts, doing them every once in a while. I want to get more interaction though. So if you guys ever have a question, comment, concern, or whatever, and you just want to ask it, and it's not like based on anything, you just thought of it and want to ask it, hit us up on Twitter, Facebook. I mean, don't hit up Mike's Facebook. He clearly doesn't have it. Instagram, whatever, like <laughs> get at us, throw that question out there. We'll write it down. And the next time we do one of these off the book pods, you know, we'll talk about it. Maybe we will even mention your name. So, so do that for sure. Mike, you said you've uh, deleted Facebook. I'd love to ask the people. I, did, I just deleted the app off my phone. Yeah, I yeah, still yeah, have yeah. Facebook if you, on my computer. If you had to choose one social media app to have on your phone, what would it be? And that basically saying like you would have to get rid of the other ones. I think I'd choose Twitter, Twitter only because of the yeah. news aspect, right? Like you get I'm more. I'm fairly addicted to Twitter. You know, what I, you know what I mean? But I mean, I, I'm, but I'm not, I'm saying that like, you guys know, I spend a lot of time on it, but I'm saying like, I think that would actually, um, I would actually struggle emotionally with deleting it. Um, but it's also much more enmeshed in my career. And like, I may, I just make more money off Twitter, you know, than from <laughs> Facebook and Instagram. Instagram is the healthiest one mentally for me. Cause I think where you run into mental health issues with Instagram is people who, get caught comparing themselves to the way that people look or whatever. And I don't give a crap about any of that. <laughs> Dude, you guys got to follow uh, influencers in the wild on Instagram. Oh, it's people filming other people taking Instagram photos. It's phenomenal, dude. That's it's a great. real reset on reality. I love it. I like that. It That's is pretty awesome. hilarious. And obviously there's tons of dog videos on there. So you got to, you got to do that. Obviously, would, how much would, would we all pay if, if, if Twitter said, Hey, the only way we're going to stay around is we're going to have to charge people a month monthly subscription obviously we'd figure it out as the 562 and maybe get a non-profit yeah. uh break yeah. on that but I'd, like i'd be out i'd be out if they did you'd that. be out you wouldn't pay yeah. you wouldn't pay two dollars a month for twitter all of my friends would leave twitter you I wouldn't mean, it's, pay, it's 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 worth that to hulu, me you wouldn't pay a hulu netflix style subscription for i wouldn't pay money I, I would pay money to use the twitter that i'm using when it's free like if they were to do a Wikipedia thing and ask for donations, I could see myself coming off of five bucks. I wouldn't pay money to use the Twitter that would exist if they put the paywall up. That makes sense. But but I don't but I don't think that bumped people off Netflix. So you don't think enough people would survive the? Uh, I think Twitter's own price? study said they'd lose a third of their of their user base, and that happens to include probably a much higher percentage of that of, of my friends that are on the app. <laughs> Well, you would then assume that so, somebody else would create the new Twitter, which would be free, which right. has been the obvious flow of information. Facebook to Twitter, Twitter to Instagram. We'd all be on parlor. Oh, my. <laughs> Let's get back to work. That was fun. Thank you, everybody involved at the 562.org and Long Beach Post, helping us bring you all of this coverage from our local community, as well as this podcast. Obviously, get to the 562.org right now for all the coverage that we just talked about. Join the interaction on social media and say hi when we see each other out in the street covering events, doing whatever. We're finally back out there, guys. So let's enjoy it as much as we can. Take care, Long Beach.